Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so excited to announce to you, next week, March 20, we shall gather face to face at the CCF Main Center Auditorium. I hope to see all of you at 10 o'clock in the morning. Remember, the time will be 10 o'clock in the morning. We begin our joint worship service. Today, I want to finish our series on True Love Wins, Loving Beyond the Norm. Let me begin by asking you a question. If you have one opportunity to ask Jesus one question, what will that question be? Think about it. One opportunity to ask Jesus any question you want. What will that be? Well, one day, there was a lawyer, a scribe, who is expert in the law of the Old Testament. He asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Guess how Jesus answered. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. According to Jesus, the greatest commandment is simply love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you are able to love your neighbor. In other words, Jesus is saying, we got to love God with everything we have. It starts from the heart, all your heart. It has to do with your will, with your soul, your entire being, with your mind. You need to know the truth about God so you can love him and with your strength, give him your best. The context of this verse is in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 3 and 5. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it that it may be well with you so that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Notice the context. When God gives us a command, you must know the context. It is always for our good. The Bible is very clear. Notice what it says. You should listen and be careful to do it that it may be well with you. God's commandment is always for our good. And once you understand the heart of God, you begin to understand why he gave us this commandment. Why is this the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? The answer is for your good. It is foundational. Loving God with all your heart increases your capacity to love others. Husband, you will have no problem loving your wife. You have no problem being faithful to your wife. Wives, if you love God with all your heart, you will have no problem submitting to your husband. Teenagers, if you love God with all your heart, you will have no problem respecting your parents, serving your parents. Single, young people, if you love God with all your heart, you have no problem maintaining your purity. The great challenge today is how do we help people walk with the Lord, maintain their purity? How do they stay away from drugs, from addiction? Answer, go back to the most basic of all commandments. The greatest is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I remember my daughter when she was in the States all alone on her 21st birthday. Her friends gave her a party and her friend said, now that you are 21 years old, you can now drink. You can now kiss. You know what my daughter said? She called us long distance. She said, why would I want to do that? In fact, she made a decision. After being invited to sorority parties, fraternity parties, she said, I see my friends vomiting getting drunk, all the police cars outside. 
I said, this is not my life. You see, my daughter loved the Lord. Because she loved the Lord, she's able to resist temptation. Can I ask you a question? Do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? If you love God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, you know what's going to happen? Obeying Him will no longer be a problem. The topic today is love God with all your heart. Can you turn to your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, love God with all, all of your heart. Not half, not three-fourths, all. I want you to look at the life of Solomon. If ever there was a man who was so blessed, that man was Solomon. What do I mean? I want you to look at the amazing heritage, legacy, and blessing of Solomon. Before his father died, King David, the father, was given the privilege to tell Solomon what to do. In 1 Kings chapter 2, the Bible tells us, his father told him, I'm about to die, and this is what you must do. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his ordinances, according to what is written in the law of Moses, so that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. In other words, if you keep reading, Solomon had the privilege of receiving final instruction from the wisdom of his father, David. And David told him, you must obey the Lord with all your heart. David told him, if you follow God with all your heart, God will bless you. And then he gave Solomon the warning. If you don't obey him, you will have problems. And God will reject you. So the warning was very clear. Not only that, Solomon had a personal encounter with God. Not many of us can say we have a real personal encounter with God like Solomon. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God asked, What do you wish me to give you? How many of us can say we have that experience? For God is telling you, What do you want me to do for you? Solomon had that amazing blessing. And more than that, Solomon knew how to pray. Solomon asked God for wisdom. Solomon prayed properly. His prayer was so good that God said, I'm very happy with your prayer. And because you prayed so well, God said, I'm going to answer your prayer plus give you so much more. God says, I'll give you bonuses. The bonus of not just wisdom, which you ask for, I will give you power, riches, honor. And the Bible tells us Solomon was the recipient of God's amazing gift. God gave Solomon wisdom, very great discernment. Notice in verse 30, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men. My goodness, here was this man who was gifted by God. He became so wise. Not only that, Solomon knew theology. What do I mean? Look at his prayer. He said, There is no God like you in heaven, above, or on earth beneath. Solomon knew there is no other God like the God of Israel keeping covenant, showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Here you have Solomon who understood theology. He understood the promises of God. And he's very clear that God is full of loving kindness and that he keeps his promises. In other words, there is nobody like Solomon who had an amazing beginning. Amazing heritage. The Bible tells us Solomon loved the Lord. The Bible tells us 
Solomon experienced God. He knew God. What's the lesson? You have to know what happened at the end of Solomon's life. This is the tragic ending. To me, it was unbelievable. When I studied the life of Solomon, I was shaken. I was so concerned that if this can happen to Solomon, it can happen to me, it can happen to any one of us. Someone that had a great beginning, he started so well. There is nobody else. If you look at the Bible, who had this amazing beginning, but notice how he ended his life. In 1 Kings 11 verse 4, the Bible tells us, when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. His heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. When Solomon was old, meaning at the latter part of his life, his wives turned his heart away. Notice it has to do with the heart. And the contrast is very clear. His heart was turned away after other gods and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord. You see, for David, he loved God with a whole heart. For Solomon, it was not the whole heart. If you want to finish well, it is important we love God with all our heart. The contrast is the heart of David, his father, and Solomon. Let's continue digging deeper into the importance of loving God with all our heart. The only safeguard, the only precaution that you and I can have so that we will remain faithful to the Lord to live a life pleasing to God at the end of our lives is really to guard our heart, to love God with all your heart. I want to share with you the acronym GROW. To love God with all your heart, you think of the word GROW. G-R-O-W. G stands for God. To love God with all your heart, you got to go to God. It begins with God, G. R, you got to recognize idols in your hearts, in your lives. O, you need to obey moment by moment. That's how you grow your love for God. W, you got to live a life of worship. Let's see. Let's begin. To love God with all your heart, you begin with God. You think of His love. You meditate. You focus on God. To love God with all our heart begins with God. His love for us. The Bible tells us we love Him because He first loved us. You and I cannot love God the way He wants us to love Him unless we first experience His love for us. 1 John chapter 4 tells us, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loves us. In other words, to really love God, to love people, it begins with God. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loves us. Notice the grammar. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loves us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is telling us what is true love. True love is not selfish. True love is like what God did. It's sacrificial. It's for our good. That is true love. And God demonstrated His true love for us. The Bible tells us He loved us and sent His Son to pay for our sins. So what do I mean by meditate on His love for us? Many times people ask me, how do I love God? Well, can I share with you in my case, how do I love God? I don't focus on my love for Him. I focus on the heart of God. Why is that crucial? Because for your love to grow, you must begin with God. To show you how important love is, I want you to look at Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 2, 4 and 5, this is addressed to the believers at the church in Ephesus. And the Bible tells us the church in Ephesus is known for its purity, 
it is doctrinally sound. The church at Ephesus deals with sinful people. They don't allow wrong doctrines. So doctrinally, they are sound. They are very persevering in doing good, in serving God. So this church, humanly speaking, is doing everything right. They serve God. Doctrinally, they are sound. They judge sinners. They want to make sure the church remains pure. But this is so shocking. What was so shocking? Jesus tells the church, but I have this against you. Notice, but. In spite of all the good things, the perseverance, the faithfulness, God says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. That word, left your first love, is the same word used to describe a divorce, a femi. You have rejected. You have let go of your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. You can see how serious Jesus is. Jesus is telling his church, I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. What is the meaning of first love? First love is our love for the Lord when we first come to know him. Do you all recall when you first came to know Jesus? You were on fire. You loved the Lord. You cannot wait to worship. You love to study the Bible. But many times, busyness, activities have a way of crowding our heart away from the Lord. You see, God wants us to remember. He said, Therefore, remember where you have fallen. You are to remember. Repent and do the deeds. God is always telling us to go back to our first love. What does it mean to remember? Every time I have a problem with loving God, I don't focus on my love. I focus on His love for me. I think of the cross. I think of what He did. How He sacrificed for me. How He forgave my sins. And you know what? As I meditate on His love for me, my love for Him will grow. That's how you love God with a whole heart. G stands for begin, it begins with God, His love for us. The next thing you need to learn to love God with all your heart, you must recognize idols in your lives, in your heart. The Bible is very emphatic. It tells us what's over your heart with all diligence. You've got to guard your heart. Solomon did not guard his heart. Why is loving God with all your heart so important? The Bible says, watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flows the springs of life. From your heart flow the spring of life. Why? Because the heart, your love, the direction of your life is directed by the love of your heart. And what your heart loves, it will direct your life. And that's what the Bible is saying. You got to guard against idols. Solomon, the Bible tells us, loved many foreign women, along with the daughters of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite, from the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you. They shall surely turn your heart away after other gods. Solomon held fast to this in love. What do you notice about the heart of Solomon? The Bible tells us Solomon did not guard his heart. Solomon loved many foreign women. These are the women surrounding the nation of Israel, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites. The Lord warned Solomon, you should not do that. Why? Because it will impact your love for me. And this is how you will know if you have idols in your heart. The moment you're willing to compromise God's truth, God's word, in order to justify your action, you already know whatever you are doing is your idol. You must understand, 
the root sin, the sin behind every sin, is when you love something more than you love God. That is the root sin. That's why this is so important. Love God with all your heart. If you love something else more than you love God, that is idolatry, and that is the root sin that will beget other sin. As early as 1 Kings chapter 3, the Bible tells us, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in his statutes. How I wish the Bible verse stopped there, except it did not. Notice, Solomon loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. The Bible tells us he loved the Lord. He was walking in his statutes. He was obeying the Lord. Except, notice the word except. That's the problem, except. He sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And that, my friend, except is the meaning of not loving God with your whole heart. There is an exception. Do you know how Solomon justified his disobedience? The Bible tells us Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Solomon was using marriages to form military alliances. This is his excuse for compromising his commitment to love God with the whole heart by compromising. The Bible says Solomon went after the goddess of Sidonians, after Milcom, detestable idols of the Ammonites, Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Notice the contrast again. Solomon did not follow the Lord fully. He did not love God with a whole heart like his father. You see the contrast, David and Solomon. Not only that, you can see how the sin of compromise, idolatry, will lead to other sin. Solomon built a high place for the detestable idol of Moab on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus he did for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. What was Solomon doing? Solomon, because of his weakness for women. He loved pleasure. He loved women. He began to compromise. By compromising, slowly but surely, his heart was turned away. If Solomon, the wisest man, the man who had amazing spiritual heritage, the man who had a real encounter with God, if this man can fall away, what's the lesson for us? We must guard our heart. You must love God with all your heart. Make sure you recognize idols and make sure you remove idols. Ezekiel chapter 14 tells us, Be careful, son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts. Do you realize it's possible to have idols in your heart? But you need to recognize idols. What do we mean by idols? Martin Luther once said this, Whatever thy heart clings to and relies upon, that is properly thy God. In other words, if that is the object of your happiness, if that is the object of your security, my friend, that is your idol. Because idol is anything, anyone that takes the place of God in your life. The truth is this. Every human being must live for something. We all have something that we depend on. The only question is, what is it? If we look to some created thing to give us meaning, to give us hope, to give us happiness that only God can give us, I tell you, it will surely fail because an idol will never be able to deliver 
as it promised. Why? Because idols are counterfeit gods. They make promises they cannot fulfill. And we impose on counterfeit gods. That is not really real. It is not true. Therefore, the result of not loving God with all your heart is to have idols in your heart. And that, my friend, will result in pain, destruction, and disappointment. That's why the Bible is full of warning. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Then the Bible specifies what are the things in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. God is saying, be careful. Do not love the world. Grammatically, do not love the world is a command. Grammatically, it means we are already loving the world. And the Apostle John is telling the believers, excuse me, stop loving the world. Stop it. Why? Do not love the world nor the things of the world. Why? Because that is idolatry. Example of loving the world, the lust of the flesh, sex, the lust of the eyes, covetousness, the pride, the boastful pride of life. How many of us have ever heard of testimony or anybody confessing that I'm guilty of the sin of idolatry, which is covetousness? This is a very subtle sin which we don't recognize. And the way to love God with all your heart is to recognize the idols of your life. People ask me, how will I know? Here are some suggestions. The test of love. What are you willing to compromise in order to have what you want? For some people, it's marriage. They are willing to compromise in order to get married. Be careful. The test of love. What about the test of happiness? What is it that you believe you got to have in order to really be happy? Have you heard of people say that? If only I have this, I will surely be happy. So until they have it, they're not happy. You know what has happened? They've made that their idol. What about the test of emotion? What makes you very angry? What makes you go to depression? For some people, it's their reputation. They feel like this guy has destroyed my reputation and I'm totally destroyed. So they go through depression. Why? They made their reputation their God, their idol. What about the test of security? What makes you anxious? What makes you afraid? Many people are fearful of death today. This COVID-19 has exposed to us our source of security. Can I ask you a question? Where is your security? Is it in your health? Is it in your job? Is it in your money? May I suggest our real security must be in God and God alone. I'm not saying don't take precaution, but the, at the end of the day, my security for my future and my life is in God. I rest my life upon the Lord. And that's why I can sleep and that's why you can rest. Make sure you, don't, you are not guilty of idolatry, which is trusting yourself, trusting money, trusting people to take care of you. Are you aware that idols are not necessarily bad things? The good things of life can be idols. Family, relationship, even ministry. Anything that takes the place of God in your life, that becomes your idol. Be careful if your spouse or your children becomes more important than God. Be careful if your work or your career becomes more important than God. What about your sports? What about hobby? What about computer games? What about social media? I ask you, you love God with all your heart or are these competing with your love for God? Money 
possession, comfort, pleasure becomes more important than pleasing God. What about the approval of men? The worst idol is always about yourself. When people tell me, I cannot do it, I forgive the person, but I'm not ready. I don't feel like it. That statement, I forgive the person, but I cannot see that person. Why? Because your heart is about yourself. You want to please yourself. It's not about God. It's not about obeying Him. How do you love God with all your heart? Number three, obey. The greatest motivation should be love. What can we learn about David? Notice, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. To love God with all your heart is obedience. It does not mean perfection, but it means deep in your heart, you have decided you will want to do all of God's will. Notice, to do all my will, not selective. Not 90%, not 95%, all. Does it mean you will never make a mistake? Of course not. David made mistakes. But notice the heart of David. David wrote in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. This is amazing. For David, he said, I delight. Notice. It's not a duty. It's a delight to do your will. I realize if you love somebody, you delight to do his will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. For David, obeying the law of God, he does not look at it as an obligation. It's a delight. It's a privilege. Jesus explained this clearly in John 14, 15. It's so simple. According to Jesus, if you love me, what will you do? You will keep my commandments. So simple. Why is this the greatest commandment? If you love God, if you love Jesus, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So how do you know you love God? Are you obeying him 100%? Not 90, not 95%. Not 99, 100%. The power of loving God is so amazing. Many psychologists describe this as the expulsive power of love. What does it mean? Your passion for something will overtake, will override the passion for something else. It's one passion over another passion. Your passion for God must be so great that it will override your passion for sin, your passion for self-will. It's your passion for God. I'm reminded of the true story of a girl by the name of Aleida Hussein. Aleida Hussein was from the Netherlands. She lived in Rotterdam. She was 78 years old when she fell in love. She said, for 50 years, I tried to quit smoking. I could not quit smoking until I met, guess who? Leo Jensen. Leo Jensen was 79 years old. And when these two met, they fell in love. But Leo Jensen told Aleda, I will not marry you until you quit smoking. Would you believe it? Aleda Hussein, at the age of 78, smoking. And this is what she said. What willpower cannot do? Love wins. Love conquers. And that, my friend, is what this is all about. If you love God with all your heart, my goodness, you will obey Him. I want you to notice the reality. Why obeying God is always for our good. Let's hear the testimony of our brother Chris. Before I came to know the Lord, I was an arrogant young lawyer. 
I was so full of myself and boasted that I graduated from one of the best law schools in the country and was a fraternity member as well. I wore this status like a badge and did anything that I pleased. Whenever I would get into a predicament, I would wiggle myself out of that tight spot by using my position as a lawyer or name drop the connections I had established. This was the pattern that I built my life on, and due to this, I became increasingly conceited and egotistical. This came to a head one day as I was on my way to work in Makati. I got into an accident with another vehicle as I was making a turn. I got out of my car and started blaming the other party for the fender bender. When the traffic enforcer arrived, I continued to argue and insisted that the other person was liable for the collision. The other party did not budge. Eventually, when we were exchanging contact details, I noticed on the driver's license that the other person lives in the province. Since the other person wouldn't agree to pay for my car's damage, and I had no insurance at the time, my mindset back then was if you didn't want to pay for the damages, I'll just make this situation especially hard for you. I filed a criminal complaint against the other person in Makati. I used my status as a lawyer to intentionally hassle the other party, considering that the person will have to travel all the way from the province to Makati, spend for gas and toll, hire a lawyer, attend the preliminary investigation, and consume a lot of time and energy. I was really bent on making it difficult for the person. Had I paid for the damages on my car, it would probably cost me less than 5,000 pesos. That was how proud and inconsiderate I was. After I filed the complaint, the other party followed suit and also filed one against me. I was unfazed with this development and remained confident that my connections would be able to help me win the case. It was during the course of this case that I met the Lord. My wife and I attended a couple's retreat after she found out I was cheating on her and threatened to leave me. I was so overwhelmed when I understood God's redemptive love in that retreat that I decided to commit my life to the Lord. I kept getting overwhelmed whenever I would contemplate how much God loves me and forgave me of my sins. His incredible love led me to repent of my old ways and follow Jesus. I vowed that I would now live my life to please and honor Him instead of choosing my own will. As I loved the Lord with all my heart, He started to transform me, beginning with my enormous ego. A couple of months after I began my personal relationship with Jesus, I received the resolution for the case that I filed against the other person. It was dismissed. However, the case that was filed against me prevailed. Essentially, I was the one held liable for the collision, which meant that a criminal case will now be filed against me in court. I prayed and asked God for wisdom on what steps to take next so that the criminal case against me would not be pursued. His message to me was very clear. Humble yourself, apologize, and pay for all the expenses that the other party incurred because of the complaint that you filed. When God impressed this in my heart, I obeyed without delay. I traveled to the other party's residence all the way in the province to apologize. When I arrived at the other party's house, fear slowly started to creep in. But as I remembered God's love for me, my anxious heart started to be filled with peace. When the other person's family met with me, I respectfully apologized to them and offered to reimburse them for all their expenses in connection with the case. They were surprised why I was changing my stand considering how adamant I was before. I told them that I had become a Christ follower and wanted to do the right thing. By God's amazing grace, the other party accepted my apology and agreed to drop the case after payment of all their expenses. Indeed, God's love is unfailing and will always see us through. I am Chris Isidro, a former slave of my sins, but now a slave for Jesus. To Him be all the honor and praise. What do you notice about our brother Chris? When he met the Lord, when he learned to love the Lord, 
he obeyed the Lord. It's not easy. Because for Chris, the idol of his life is his pride. Himself, being a lawyer. But because he learned to love God more than he loved himself, he humbled himself, asked for forgiveness. And my friend, this is what God wants you to know. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And how do you know you love God? Obey Him. There are certain things you will never experience until you obey God. There are certain realities, certain truths about God you will never know until you obey Him. That's why the more you obey Him, the more you will know Him. And the more you know Him, the more you will love Him. It is so true in my life. Oftentimes, I'm reluctant to obey the Lord because I don't find it logical. But the moment I step out in faith, I walk and I obey God, something supernatural happens and I get to know God more. The more I know about God, the more I will obey Him. The more I obey Him, the more I realize who God is and the more I love Him. It's a cycle. Love for God with a whole heart means what? It's a life of worship. You know, when you worship God, it does not mean you will never make a mistake. When you love God, it does not mean you will never fail because you all know the sin of David. David did something, if you ask me, worse than Solomon. He committed adultery. He murdered the husband of Bathsheba. But what's the difference? If your heart is devoted to the Lord, and God brings to your mind, to your attention, what you have done is wrong. Like David, David repented. David humbled himself. When Nathan confronted David, David, you are the guilty person. You know what David said? I have sinned. You see, confessing your sin, repentance and worship, they go together. What do I mean? Notice how David repented. How he confesses sin. Be gracious to me, O my God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. The basis of repentance, the basis of confession, is the grace of God. It is not his own goodness. This is what David said. Be gracious to me. Lord, be gracious. I need your grace. According to your loving kindness. That's the word for chesed. That's the Hebrew word for grace. The loving kindness of God. Lord, forgive me. Not because of me, but because of your grace. According to the greatness of your compassion. My friend, if you love God, if you know who God is, even if you fail, if you fall into sin, you will rebound. You respond in repentance. Notice the confession of David. If I read his confession to you in those four verses, the pronoun was me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions. My sin is before me. The pronoun, my sin, my iniquity. I have sinned against you. Only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Do you know how many times? In four verses, the personal pronoun appeared 11 times. You see, when you repent, when you confess your sin, you don't blame others. You assume personal responsibility. That's how you love God and that's how you worship God. Why do I connect confession, repentance with worship? On the same chapter, chapter 51, if you read a few verses down, you will notice after confessing his sin, David said, Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. You see, David 
loved God with the whole heart. But he knew he committed sin. So he repented. He confessed. For what purpose? After confession, after repentance, he experienced forgiveness. For what purpose? Worship. That is exactly what he said. Oh Lord, open my lips. Same chapter. That I may declare your praise. Notice what he said. You do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That's the meaning of the word repentance. Repentance is an act of worship. When you offer to God the brokenness of your spirit, the brokenness of your heart, the brokenness of a sinful heart. You say, Lord, here I am. No excuses. I have sinned against you. And my friend, this is so encouraging for me. That to love God with our whole heart does not mean you have to be perfect, but you have to be humble before God. And you live a life of worship. Worship should never stop just because you sin. The solution is repentance and worship. The proof of what I'm saying is you will see the first act that David did after he confessed his sin to God, after Nathan rebuked David, after David experienced the judgment of God, guess what he did the first thing? Notice, David prayed in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan said, David, your son is going to die because of your sin. David inquired. The word inquired, David pleaded with God for the child. David fasted. David spent the whole night on the ground. Not just one day, for seven days. David fasted and prayed. Eventually, the child died. And David arose from the ground. Notice what David did. After the child died, what did he do? He washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and, notice this, and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. He fasted for seven days without eating. But then, after fasting and praying in his heart, when he discovered that the child is dead, what did he do? He went and worshipped the Lord. Do you know how hard it is to worship God when you are disappointed that God did not answer your prayer? But such is the heart of David, a heart devoted to God. And you can only devote your heart to God if you trust Him, if you know He cares for you. My friend, do you love God? Do you know He loves you? God loves you so much that He's saying, do you love me with all your heart? To love God with all your heart means you worship Him. You see, worship is the overflow of our love for God. Worship is our response. I always say, worship is a thermometer and a thermostat. Thermometer, it measures your love relationship with God. The more you love God, the more you want to worship Him. At the same time, it's a thermostat. Why? Every time I focus on God, I worship Him, my love for Him grows. So, make worship a habit. I pray that this message will speak to your heart. That you and I love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The only way you will finish well is to have this motivation in your life. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember the Christian life is like a marathon. 
It's not 100 yard dust. It's long distance running. I want you and I to finish well. At the end of our life, we can hear God say, well done. Perhaps some of you are saying, Peter, I don't really love God with all my heart. I don't love him. I like to pray for you. I like to pray that God will help you experience his love. Have you received the love of God? If you have not, I want you to know the first step to loving God is to experience his love. Be honest with him. Perhaps you are like Solomon. You have a lot of head knowledge, but your heart is not wholly devoted to God. I'd like you to pray a prayer today, dedicating your heart completely to God. Honestly, if you do that, you'll experience real salvation. If your heart is fully devoted to God, you'll experience the amazing love and presence of God in your heart because God is after our heart. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I realize I don't love you with all my heart. I want to love you with all my heart. Jesus, help me to realize you want me to love you with all my heart. So today, I come before you. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love. But today, I now declare, Lord, help me to love you. I choose to love you today. I'm giving you my all. And I pray that my capacity to love you will grow day by day. I love you, Jesus. Help me to love you even more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has been meaningful to you, I'd like you to click on the space provided below with a welcome room. Our people would love to chat with you. We'd like to pray with you. So let us know. We will be waiting for you. In a short while, we will have fast track and discussion questions. I hope to see you next week, face to face, 10 o'clock in the morning. See you. God bless.